Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. On this show, we share Ginger's journey and speak with subject matter experts about a variety of dementia-related topics. Ginger, a former English teacher and librarian, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2019. This diagnosis has changed her world and has given her a unique perspective on life and living. I'm Christoph, Ginger's son and full-time caregiver. I've created this podcast as a way to share the best practices I'm learning about caring for a person with dementia. Along the way, we'll document my mother's journey through her unique storytelling. You can subscribe to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast and find all the resources we discuss at lwalz.com. In this episode, I speak with Caitlin Goyer, Helpline Program Coordinator for Alzheimer's Association, Michigan Chapter, about their call-in helpline and the resources it provides families and caregivers. Then we celebrate a special birthday and speak with Ginger about turning 80. Hi, Caitlin. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. So you are the Alzheimer's Association Helpline Program Coordinator in Michigan. What, tell me mm-hmm. about that role for AA. Sure. So um, our helpline um, is available um, throughout the whole country, Um at a a national level. So um, our national office is in Chicago and all the calls are fielded to Chicago first. So they get that initial call. And then um, if the caller needs like a local follow-up, for instance, or has a question about one of our programs specific to Michigan, then they will forward the calls to um, our helpline in Michigan. And I um, am manning and managing those um, those calls. So I will um, follow up, like for example, if you know maybe there's a question about a program that our national office um, doesn't necessarily know confidently enough to, to talk about that, or maybe they don't know the answer to that, then I'm able to follow up within um, like one to two business days. Okay. Um, and then we have a um, helpline email as well. Um, and I manage that nine to five Monday through Friday. So if, if somebody, um, for whatever reason, doesn't want to, or can't make a phone call, um, then they can email us at that, that email address. But I I think somewhere along the line, I was hearing that, like, if you're in a sticky situation and you need help, you're taking care of someone with dementia or you suddenly scared yourself my mom scared herself by leaving a burner on the stove and finding mm-hmm. it like an hour later that she had left it on and it panicked a little bit you know um so yeah. a person who is taking care of someone and has a concern at 11 p.m on a saturday night could still mm-hmm. call yep 
Yep, there will be somebody um, on that line and they'll talk to an actual person, which um, I think a lot of hotlines don't necessarily have or it takes, you know, a million steps to, to get to sure. a, a person. I so, am always frustrated talking, trying to talk to an actual individual. Yeah. I just have this one question, please let me in. <laughs> and so many organizations have this right computerized gatekeeper. You know, they don't really want to talk to you. Right. Right. So, so what, what kinds of support are you typically offering when people are calling? Um, so we offer um, a lot of um, local referrals. So we have like this huge information and referral database. Mm -hmm. So like it has lists of local neurologists, um, maybe a long-term care facility or, um, if they need to get something like um, hearing aids for their loved one or dentist offices that um, are familiar with working with people who have dementia, we can um, send those listings over to the caller by email or postal mail. Um, and then we do get a lot of um, calls about people looking for respite. So like if okay. they need um, in-home care, we can help um, give them that. And then um, people also will call looking for um, ways where they can get help to cover that cost. So um, we actually in Michigan um, through several different counties offer a respite scholarship where we can reimburse um, the client up to, um, depending on the county, either $1,000 or $500. Okay. Um, and they can apply every year. Um, and then we're able to reimburse them for that care. So um, it, it really helps. It, it's unfortunately people who are covering like 24 seven um, caregiving and need that help. It's really only a little bit, but um, for some people, it's really beneficial. Right. So I'm a 24-7 caregiver for my mom, but I have mm -hmm. help. So I have some Wednesdays time and some Saturday time in order to just go okay. be normal, <laughs> relax. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> and thankfully my mom's schedule at this point in the, her uh, dementia is she's got a pretty good routine if she's not. Uh, suffering from like November was awful because of an infection that sent her for a loop. And that was a whole mm -hmm. different ball game because her routine was way off. But when her routine is normal, it's something that I can very easily work with and it's pretty predictable, but yeah, that mm -hmm. help every week. I need that. And so I can only imagine that there are families out there taking care of a loved one who aren't getting any relief so that they can go do the things that they want to do f for their own personal, uh, you know, recharge. And so that's what this respite yeah, money sure. is for is to help with that. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we'll even like reimburse people. If like, for example, somebody had like a neighbor that they were, um, paying like, like $20 a day. And, um, they, we can reimburse them for that. It doesn't have to be like an agency or okay. an adult center. 
So, so it can be a less um, formal arrangement. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So they, if, um, you know, anybody listening calls the helpline and asks about that, then they can just send them over to us and we'll, we'll be able to help um, get that process started. That's great. So, yeah, we really try to help um, encourage caregivers to take care of themselves. Even just something as simple as like grocery shopping by yourself, I think can be um, really helpful and just help with managing stress. Yes. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> there have been times where, and my mother will listen to this later, there are times where uh, I'm just like, Mom, I'm just going to go shopping myself. How about that? I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a little bit of a breather. But there are other times where I really do want her along because I want her to be invested in what our plan is for meals and, you know, that kind of right. thing. So, but I, I mix yep. it up, you know. Because sometimes, yeah, I just need a breather. Yep. So, it's important great. for everybody. For so sure. the other thing up front, when my daughter had gotten a contact name here in Grand Rapids from Alzheimer's Association, who's mm-hmm. since retired, but she was amazing, Cynthia. Um, she really helped give us, oh, things to read there were pamphlets there were book recommendations um mm-hmm. there were several uh documents that she emailed that just had guidelines about how to um care for what to expect um how to go about in improving safety in your home for someone with dementia etc i mean there were just so many resources that were available and so i've got to imagine mm-hmm. that you are putting those resources into people's hands when they call. Yes, we have um, just this huge database of um, just pamphlets like brochures and um, topic sheets that we can give out to clients that call and um, like on any topic, like if somebody's having issues with hallucinations or um mm. Maybe there's some communication issues going on. Um, We can help um, give those materials out and then also provide different strategies um, Mm -hmm. to offer those those clients on the phone. Um, And I think it's helpful to have that reading material just because, you know, one phone call might not always help. Or if, you know, you're super overwhelmed when you call, you might not be fully comprehending what we're, we're saying sure. um, in that moment. So, so you have something yeah. to refer back to. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I know one of the communication things uh, that I learned was about the whole thing of not being able to word find so well. And then that got in the way of clarity or my understanding actually was really more it. Um, my mom will sometimes talk about something that's kind of next to or adjacent to uh, a topic. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go, oh, when she says that, I know that actually means I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, right, right. And, and sometimes I'll say, mom, it's okay if you just say, can we eat now? Because I'm kind of hungry, you know, but she'll, she'll say something more like, um, when, when are you going to eat? You know, that kind of thing. And yeah, it's like, right. oh, that she's not really asking me when I'm going to eat. She's asking 
for something to be made so she can eat, you know? For sure. Yeah. So that happened a few times yeah. after she had that awful month and then she was coming back into a routine. Her metabolism okay. sped back up because she was feeling better. And so I was mm -hmm. still going on this food timing that had worked when she wasn't feeling so well, which was slower and less. And then all of a sudden she was feeling better and boy, she, need, she needed that energy, you know? So just those <laughs> nitty gritty things of communicating and understanding what someone who can't always find the right words, the words that they want, uh, what they're meaning, that, that was a surprise to me. Uh, it shouldn't have been, but you know, it was. And uh, again, some of those materials that I got from Alzheimer's Association helped make me go, oh, right that's what's going on yeah yeah they can be really helpful even to just like refer back to like after um a you know difficult situation might arise to just look back and um refer back to it and mm -hmm. um implement those strategies i think is really helpful for a lot of people and, um, and communication is a big one yeah i can believe that yeah what what kind of call volume is the helpline getting in if you know nationally great but for michigan um for michigan i would say i probably talk to between 20 to 60 people within a day in a day so mm-hmm yep it's it well i'm really busy. glad you took the time today to talk to me thank you so much Oh, no, no problem. It, um, it, you know, sometimes the calls are, are short and it's just, you know, some people will call just saying that, you know, their loved one, um, has had, they have a lot of family history of dementia and then they want to know how to, they can go about preventing getting it or okay. what they can do. Um, and then there are some others that are, you know, can be pretty long and a lengthy call, um, where we're, um, helping with like counseling and, um, you know, behaviors and communication, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. So, um, I want to come back to the behaviors piece, but the first thing you said, it surprised me. People are calling about themselves in prevention and I, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, so what kinds of things are you offering those people who are like, mm, how do I avoid this? Um, so, you know, we, we will tell people that, unfortunately, you know, there isn't a cure. So there, you know, isn't um, one thing or one diet you can follow that will for sure prevent um, developing dementia. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll tell people, you know, what's good for the heart is also good for your brain. So exercising, um, eating a healthy diet, um, doing like... Um, activities for your brain like even a crossword puzzle or if you're not into crossword puzzles even just reading a book can be really helpful for your brain um that they we've found that following the mediterranean diet can be um helpful but there isn't like any proof that um you know that doing that will help you not get dementia for sure mm -hmm. if that makes sense yep. so um 
we do get those those calls pretty frequently and we, we do have a education program um, that talks about healthy living for your brain and body. So we usually that's just sometimes a lot of people in the public that are just curious about learning more about dementia, um, even if they don't have a big family history. So because um, obviously people are living longer now and um, we'll all know m- much more people who have dementia. Right. Interesting. Um, A relative of mine had a stroke at an early age and had to relearn a bunch of Mm -hmm. things after following the stroke and uh, found Sudoku. Um, I'm probably not saying that right, but the the number puzzle. um, Mm -hmm. uh, Very helpful in helping exercise her brain as she was doing recovery and she recommended it and I I hadn't played it before I love numbers but I had not played mm-hmm. the thing before and found an app from you know my phone and love it and sometimes it's challenging but I mean I like exercising my brain in that way and those little puzzles um you know I think have been helpful for for me just to you know exercise some of those muscles that because the the neuropsychologist that I interviewed uh, previously was talking about how the brain is a muscle and it needs to be exercised. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I had never heard that before. So interesting that, you know, activities like a crossword puzzle or reading or a number, a number puzzle, uh, you know, could be helpful to that brain health long-term. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important to find something that you like, like, like they tell you with exercise, you know, you don't necessarily have to run, but you could, if you like yoga more, that mm-hmm. that's just as helpful. Um, and you'll mo- be more likely to stick with it. And I think it's similar to brain exercises too. If you don't like crossword puzzles, but you like reading, that's, that's okay to do mm-hmm. that instead. That's great. So are there months that are busiest uh, for you? And if so, what typically drives the additional volume of calls? Um, I would say we're, we tend to get busier after the holidays. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that's mainly because um, people that may have not like seen their parents or grandparents for um, a while might start noticing those changes. and then we'll call and say, hey, I think my mom might have some sort of memory loss. Um, and then, you know, we might go ahead and refer them to a neurologist or, um, you know, provide them with pamphlets on um, understanding Alzheimer's and dementia. And that can kind of um, help get them in the right direction um, um, t- to start and get that that testing done to figure out if they do have dementia. Um, obviously, we're not going to diagnose them over the phone, sure. but we can help point them to someone who can. And, um, and you may be able to hear them list some of the symptoms that they're seeing or what they're observing and go, yeah, that sounds like it could right. be something in dementia. And so you should you definitely follow up and have that checked. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that. And I skipped right over it. I said I was going to go back to the behavior piece that you had spoken to, and mm-hmm. you reminded me of it um, with this whole thing about the holidays, because the um, 
the situation for me was my parents were operating, you know, they were, mm-hmm. everything was copacetic. So it seemed, and as independent people, uh, do, you know, they tend to want to do it themselves and not report when they're struggling. Um, right. and so it really was a holiday when I was back at home cause I had been living in Kansas city for a number of years. And mm-hmm. so my FaceTime with them was limited during the year holidays was more concentrated. And that's when I went, Oh my goodness. In 2019 that, um, mm-hmm. just made so many observations of things that were just barely holding on by a thread, like driving mm-hmm. was suspect and safety in the kitchen was suspect. And I actually, uh, had my parents make a simple meal mm-hmm. while I watched, you know, I was just in the kitchen with them and said, Hey, can mm-hmm. I, you know, just kind of facilitate and watch as you guys make a meal. And mm-hmm. oh my goodness, did they struggle. And that, I mean, reading directions on mm-hmm. the box for the pilaf, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, mm-hmm. And then following through with the actual one-third cup. Where is the one-third? What is the one-third cup? Uh, you know, all of the things. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is not good. Um, so at that point, I think they recognized after going through that little thing uh, with me, they recognized also that there was an issue. And so they were willing um, to go and have some evaluation done. But I have another relative who um, has a parent who is just like, no, I don't, I don't want to go have anybody diagnose anything. I'm fine, and yeah. the the family knows that things are not fine. Um, but this parent is insistent and um, angry about it. Actually, about yeah. the you yeah. know the attempts to have them go and get evaluated. So I can imagine that you get some calls like that from families who are like, I'm kind of at my wits end. I know there's a problem, but my parent won't follow through to do anything about it. What, what do you advise then? Sure. So those are, um, those, we get those calls quite often. Um, and you know, it's difficult because, um, you know, people with dementia are still adults. So, you know, we can't necessarily force them to, you know, drag them into the car and say, you're going to go get tested. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes we'll, um, you know, encourage families to say, um, you know, asking the parent to do it for them, like just for, for their, their peace of mind. Um, or just, you know, going in once just just to meet the, the physician um, is can sometimes help. Um, sometimes we'll encourage, um, like, for example, if an adult child is trying to get their parent to go see a doctor, um, having somebody that they might respect more, I guess, or see as an authoritative figure might help like maybe their primary care physician that they've been seeing for a really long time. If they ask them to say, you know, I'm seeing these, these concerns, I think you should go see um, 
another doctor, like a neurologist and get that testing done. Or, you know, maybe they have a cousin and they can ask them to, to help, um, guide that conversation a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes that, that can be helpful. Um, we've, um, sometimes gone as far as trying to bribe the the person, like, you know, it might sound silly and a bit, bit childish, but sometimes that, that can be, um, you know, helpful that, you know, if, if you go, then we can do X, Y, and Z, something sure. that they like or enjoy enjoy doing. And yep. it it sounds silly, but it does work. And I think, you know, we try to encourage families to continue trying different things because you never know what might work, whether mm-hmm. it's that or other behavior. So one of the things that uh, my relative whose parent was not wanting uh, to participate in any evaluation uh they enlisted the help of one of the parents friends who okay knew also that there had been changes you know because they had been friends for a long time and the relationship was more friendly and less you know like hey don't push me around you know when when it was the kids saying it it it, Mm -hmm. you know the response was i'm being pushed around when the friend said it, it was much more uh, soft and and received that way. And then sure. finally, you know, they got um, the parent in for evaluation. But that ended up being the tactic for them that worked was just they had an ally in one of their parents' friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. In, in my case... Yep most of my parents' friends had already passed. They they weren't that old. My mom is just going to be turning 80. But they unfortunately had mm-hmm. lost a number of their friends. Uh, and so there really weren't friends to lean on. But I really didn't have that struggle because they were more, um, you know, willing to say, yeah, let's go check this out and see what this might be. They didn't like the results. They didn't like their licenses being pulled (laughs) Um, because those were some of the outcomes of all of that. So they didn't necessarily like what happened after, but they were definitely willing to go and see what might be going on. Right. And I I think there's still, while it's better, but there's still a lot of stigma behind dementia and -hmm. a lot of people, you know, feel embarrassed about it. And I think that's a reason why. And we, we try to, you know, remind caregivers of that too, that, you know, while it's good to get diagnosed early, sometimes it does take a little bit longer because of that, that stigma. And as the disease progresses, um, they might start to know the changes themselves, you know, as it continues. Right. Yeah. I hope we're getting more over some of the stigmas related to um, dementia, but also even uh, emotional health, you know, I mean, you know, using a counselor um, and getting that third party support is so beneficial, but it still has the stigma attached to it. There must be something wrong with you um, that you had control over or something, you know, And, and with dementia, I know my parents really didn't have control over the progression of the disease. Um, you know, so 
right. there's really nothing to be embarrassed about. But I, I still get that. You know, I've apologized to my kids ahead of time and just said, "When <laughs> if you have to deal with me in my later years uh, because I've developed dementia, you know, um, do do what you need to do, I, even if I'm not cooperative. Because I really, right. you know, that's the other thing. I really don't know how uh, if I you know, had issues with dementia and hopefully there will be solutions that will prevent that for me and my generation. But the numbers Mm -hmm. are so high now. I mean, it's, you know, what a 50% chance uh, of a person once they're past 65. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty high. That's a, you know, those are good betting odds if you're going to the casino to win. Um, But those are awful betting odds if you're really trying to avoid something like dementia right yep. yeah yeah it, they say now that we'll all probably know someone with it within like the next um five to ten years so and that's and that's one of the reasons why i was motivated to do the podcast as i was going initially through the journey of you know understanding what dementia was and how it you know, was impacting my parents and their lives and what we needed to do and all that. I felt like I was reinventing the wheel, but as I Mm -hmm. talked to other people about it, I'd hear them say, Oh yeah, my grandma or my parent or my, and it was just so common to hear that other people were dealing with the same thing, but nobody ever talked about it. And so I really wanted the podcast just to be able to get the message out there that this is really common and we're going to only be able to do good things for our family members if we band together and support each other and talk about this topic more. Um, and so, you know, here we are doing some more talking about it at least. And, um, I gave a talk to a a secular community in Kansas city. And in fact, I'm doing a update with them soon. Um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is just one more opportunity for me to share the things that so many people are having to deal with. So, and, and yeah, the support line sure. obviously is there for that reason. Yeah, we have um, support groups as well that um, a lot of our, our clients will, will go to. And I think that um, but that's a great option too, because, you know, talking to a professional of of course it's helpful, but talking to somebody who's actually caregiving and, you know, can give tips that they've tried, um, I think is super helpful for caregivers. So if a person says I could really use a support group and calls into the helpline, you can help connect them. Yep. We can, um, register them through the the system that we have Uh in personify. Um, so that's, that's a great, um, a a great tool for caregivers, I think. And then, um, care consultation is another one. Um, we have a care consultation program through the the Michigan chapter that, um, it involves like an assessment, um, a written care plan and, um, then ongoing support after that. Um, and it's a six month programs. So it's, it's pretty, pretty lengthy. And, um, these, care counselors have their master's in social work. So they're just really knowledgeable and can help um, 
caregivers come up with a specific plan for something that's going on. It could be caregiver stress and how to manage that or um, if they're struggling with communication again, um, that that's something that they can help with. So, and, and I actually was able to take advantage of that, um, in early 2021, um, when I began the, uh, journey being my mom's caregiver, I really needed a lot Mm -hmm. of assistance to get a routine that made sense and that I had some confidence was good for her you know, cause I could have just yep. come up with something, but I wasn't really certain, is this good for her? Um, and so those care counselors that I was, that were assigned to me or I was assigned to them, however that worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, one was the main and one was like an intern who was training. So I actually had two people. Um, but that, yeah, okay. they helped me establish a routine, uh, diet exercise, um, and then some of the rest things and the activation, you know, because, you know, they'd be like, uh, see if, you know, you can get her to do some drawing and, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. my mom hates that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we gave her a coloring book and a bunch of really colorful pens and she loved the colorful pens. And then when she got to the whole right. doing the, the, uh, using them, then she was just like, oh, this is, I don't like this. <laughs> Not her thing. (laughs) So, you know, I was like working with them to try and come up with other things, um, you know, that she'd be really into that were engaging for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and we can, um, you know, do that on the helpline too. We're, we're, you know, we can't necessarily write out a care plan with Uh a one-time call, but we can certainly give, you know, those, those strategies and um, help come up with, with a quick, quick plan over the phone. So, so if someone would like to set up that six month program, uh, for themselves, can they call into the helpline and ask about it? And then you help with that referral. Yep. Yep. So they, they can for sure call the helpline and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll get that set up for sure. Okay. Um, sometimes they can take a, a little, a little bit, just depending on the, um, the care counselor's caseload at the time, but um, it, it would not be more than a week that they would have to wait. Okay. So now yeah. I, I'll post the number and I have before, but tell me what the helpline number is again. So it's 800-272-3900. Okay. And the email, you said there was a email. Is that just an online fill out a form or is there a specific email address? So there's a, a specific email address. It is on the website, but um, I can give that to you too. It's um, helplinegmc at alz.org. Okay. Um, and that's the the Michigan um, email. Oh, greater we Michigan. We don't have a email. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Good. Those are those are good resources. Um, <clears throat> so you mentioned. Um, the training that the care counselors are given, what, what is happening for the people who are covering the helpline calls for, from a training perspective? Sure. So, so there's, um, there's quite a bit of training that goes into it. It can, um, just depending on the, the staff's um, workload, it can take like a couple months to get through it. It's pretty extensive. Um, they, 
first we'll go through like all these um, training videos and modules um, just about Alzheimer's in general and um, learning just about the disease. While we all um, pretty much in all cases have knowledge about dementia, it's just good to all, you know, be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll learn about specific types of calls that that we might get um, or questions and um, how to handle those calls. Um, and then we have um, a database that we use where we document all of our calls um, and can register people for programs. And it's <laughs> um, it's very complicated. So it that that's um, training in itself, um, just videos and learning how to actually use it. Um, and then I'll do um, a couple of training modules with them as well. Um, and my um, one of another of my colleagues knows how to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, they'll observe me take some calls on helpline and then I'll observe them. And then after that, they're just depending on how um, the calls are going, then they'll be, they'll be on their way. Um, We also have some recorded calls from our national office that um, people can listen to as well if they're um, feeling like they need more knowledge on a specific topic. Okay. So they can hear Um, how that Q&A between the caller and the staff was handled and kind of a modeling. Right. Right. It's like a, um, best practice call, how to, um, how to handle that and respond to, you know, we, we can get some difficult questions. So it's good to, um, hear how somebody else might, might handle that. Right. Yeah. Um, And, and one of the things that I, uh, know was that I always appreciate the person who says, you know, I don't know, but I will get that information to you. Um, you know, and, uh, that, I mean, in any situation, you know, where I'm asking for some assistance, I, I've had people try and muddle through not knowing, and then they kind of give misinformation or just jumbled information. And I'd really rather you just say, you know, I'm not sure, but I'll get back to you. Yep. Yep. And we, we really encourage people, especially who are just starting out to, to do that because there is somebody that will always have that answer. So, and it's better too than going back and trying to fix it. Right. And I experienced that with, with Alzheimer's association, as I was working with that, there were a few times where somebody would say, that's a good question. I will get an answer for you. I don't have it right this second. And that was great. It was still, it was awesome support. Yeah, for sure. So what do you find yourself telling people over and over again? Is there a a consistent Um, message that you have to keep repeating? I feel like one of them is just encouraging caregivers to take, take a break Mm. and take care of themselves, which is obviously a lot easier said than done, but, um, you know, exercise, just even taking like a quick power nap can be super helpful and you, you can't, continue to care for someone without taking care of yourself first. So we really try to get that, that message across. Um, and then I, I also feel like I have the helpline number engraved <laughs> in my brain. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly reminding people to 
keep calling, you know, it's, it's never a bother and we're always available. There's always somebody that's going to pick up. So I feel like we're constantly reminding people to call and then giving them that number. Um, and, you know, we send out these um, helpline cards to people and we'll encourage them to keep it on their fridge, you know, so they, they have that and can just call anytime they need us or in their phone even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on my phone. Yeah, good. It's right there. <laughs> yeah, and in the midst of, you know, the bad the bad month uh, when she was struggling, I, I called, you know. It was just like, what, you yeah. know, what do you think I should be doing here? And they weren't trying to help diagnose, just like, yeah, that sounds really concerning and you should probably go, you know, right now to urgent care or whatever, which is, you know, what mm-hmm. we ended up doing for, for ourselves and it ended up being you know, a bigger problem than I had suspected. So I'm, I'm glad that that resource was there. Cause I was kind of like stuck, you know, I wasn't really sure what right. I should do yeah. next. I just knew it wasn't right. Uh, in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a great number to have. Like if, you know, some people will call at 2am cause they can't get their loved one to get to, to sleep yeah. or, you know, sometimes it's nice just to get like, a second opinion to make sure you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice to have someone there that caregivers can talk to when they, when they need it. Right. Well, Caitlin, I really appreciate that you took the time today to talk with us and also that you do this work uh, to be a support. I, it's great to know that when I dial that number, somebody's on the other end to, you know, help me out. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. All right. Take care. You too. So you were just listening to my conversation with Caitlin Goyer, who runs the phone hotline for Alzheimer's Association here in Michigan. And I wondered if you were surprised by the fact that she talks to 20 to 60 people every day who have questions about dementia and Alzheimer's specifically. No, that didn't surprise me. I I guess it's a combination of things. The person who has the illness may have a lot of questions about their body and and yet, you know, friends and relatives are going to also want to know some of that information. Mm. True. So that's that's quite a crew. Right. So what kind of questions would you have? About another person? About yourself even. About myself. My, my first question that I have about myself is when do I really have a label to put on what I'm dealing with and how much is that going to affect or slow down uh, any communication that I normally never thought about. I just talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So now I have to think more about how 
how can I phrase this in such a way that doesn't hurt this person but informs them? Um, that's that's one. Um, just to be a little more open with people when they may you kind of lift their eyebrows and wonder what's going on there, tell them. Right. But you get together with your friends. I do. And they know that you have Alzheimer's. They do. So I don't think they've been offended by anything that no. you said. No. No, but they're very gracious people. <laughs> That's why they're mm. my friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good point. They are gracious. And they've taken time to have you at their place and to come over here and spend time with you here. Yep. And just hang out. Yep. And maybe have a cookie. Uh, or two. Or two. <laughs> <laughs> but is there anything you want to know about Alzheimer's that you haven't already heard? I don't think so. I needed that difference between Alzheimer's and... Dementia. Dementia. Right. So we were talking about how dementia is the big umbrella term for many types of issues with the brain. And then Alzheimer's is one specific kind of dementia. And probably is the leading one of... It is the most common. That's, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Dad had vascular dementia, which is a different thing. That's when the blood vessels aren't delivering the um, chemicals and the oxygen and that kind of thing to the brain normal. And, and so the brain's function slows down or is impaired. Parkinson's is another one. Uh, that's one of what the neurologist that, uh, neuropsychologist that um, diagnosed you was describing in one of our other episodes about Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's is one of those. So there's a few different kinds, but yes, Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia and the numbers are growing here in our population. Why? It's a good question and people don't really know. Oh, okay. Yeah. It could be, people wonder if it's diet related. Um, you know, some people wonder if there are things in our food additives that may, you know, be causing a problem. If there's lifestyle differences that are causing an issue. Uh, yeah, there's, there's just a number of studies that are going on. And that's one of the things that Alzheimer's Association is also engaged in is researching okay. the disease. And so one of the reasons you a person might call the Alzheimer's Association to ask questions is because they're an organization who is actively researching mm -hmm. the disease and best practices for avoiding it or for caring some for someone who has it. Okay. Well, and that's my next question would be, should I be going to a particular doctor who 
specializes in knowing more about this disease. Um, and if so, who might that be here in the Grand Rapids area? For you, you have a neurologist. Okay. And you've been working with her since you were diagnosed by Dr. Lawrence, who we spoke with in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. So Dr. McPhail is your neurologist, and she is specializing in dementia and has been following your uh, progression of Alzheimer's and helping you with the kinds of things that will keep you as active, engaged, and satisfied as possible uh, while dealing with the disease and the progression of the disease. I think I'd like to see that on a sheet of paper for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, when you... Um, when, when someone has cancer, they go back to that doctor again and mm-hmm. again until they, um, until it's, no, it's either cared for or they pass away. Right. Like, like Dad did with mm-hmm. his oncologist. Saw him over the course of many years while he was dealing with lymphoma. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, you like seeing things on paper. I do. And and it does work well for you when you have something to refer to. So our picture books are one thing. The memory wall with photos is another. Uh, the sheet that I created that shows all of your finances and expenses and that kind of thing so that you feel aware of what's happening financially. And it would be a good idea to give you a list of your doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. Because you have a few. Yeah. Primary physician and uh, your ear, nose, throat doctor who helps with your ears, your audiologist who helps with your hearing aids, your neurologist who helps with Alzheimer's, and now even a podiatrist. Well, I'm just a, I'm just a big mess here. No, you're not a big mess. You just you're just aging, and you have a lot of professionals who are in your corner helping you out. Yes, that's much better said. Yeah, and and I'm not far behind you, Mom. I'm aging, and my number of doctors has also increased as yeah. I've gotten older because the number of physical concerns are greater than they used to be yeah or or they bother you more it's like that little thing i had on my foot Mm -hmm. and gosh it felt so much better after he had removed the twisted the things back to where they were supposed to be yeah he removed part of the toenail right that had caused you a bunch of problems and i couldn't deal with and you couldn't deal with, so it was clear we needed somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we got a referral from your primary physician to a podiatrist who was very kind and gentle and took care of your issue. Mm-hmm. Not without a little bit of pain and blood, but <laughs> it was 
I'm so glad that he took care of it. And yeah, I didn't so have am to I. Try and do it. <laughs> Even when walking, it was enough that it was digging in. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, just take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions that you would have if you were to call into the hotline? I don't think so. Okay. No. I think we've done enough things with Alzheimer's groups mm -hmm. uh, to keep me pretty much informed, mm -hmm. and I appreciate that. Um, I think I I will always stay in tune with that, so that if I do have something that is very uncommon, I know where to go. Right. Oh, hey, and speaking of aging, you just turned 80. chocolate chip cookie on top of a chocolate chip cookie <laughs> with frosting in between with chocolate chip cookies on top. Who likes Ooh, chocolate chip cookies? Happy yeah. You won the birthday prize. <laughs> the world is a bright and lovely place. Happy birthday, Mom. Katie, yeah, just fun. <clears throat> I figured somebody had done their math wrong. <laughs> just don't feel 80, huh? No, I don't. How old do you feel? No. Uh, late 20s. Good for you. Yes. I love you from John Paul. Because, yeah. Who's because that? of you, happy birthday. You bring so much joy to our our lives. I love you. Here's to another 80. Oh, Stacy, I don't think so. Don't forget How many more you want to do, As long as I can see, hear, and write and read, that's fine. Was that at my birthday party? Yeah, you just <laughs> celebrated your 80th birthday, right? Yep. And a whole bunch of people were here to help you celebrate it. Yeah, some of them I couldn't even give a name to. That's how often I see them. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. The pandemic has uh, made seeing people much more difficult. But you had a number of people. Celeste came in from New York. Yep. And... Kyla joined us from Minneapolis via Zoom. Ian couldn't join because he was on top of a mountain. I uh, wonder. But he sent a photo. Yes. And wished you well. Yes. But then you had a bunch of grandkids here, and your one great-grandkid was here, Oscar. And you haven't gotten to see a whole lot of those folk. Uh, but we were able to get together and... Celebrate you turning 80. Yep. Did you have a good time? I did. I still couldn't believe, really, that I was 80. Right. I, I couldn't. I, if you asked me how old I was, I'd have to say, 
they're telling me that I'm 80 because mm-hmm. <laughs> I really haven't figured that out. And it's just the way the numbers went through the years mm-hmm. that they, they were, keep getting bigger. <laughs> definitely. <the> years. <laughs> yep. So, in fact, you were reading some cards that people had given you. And you made that comment then because mm. one of your cards said, happy 80th. And you were like, I, <laughs> I didn't think it was that number. Someone did their math wrong. Yeah. And, and it's now, now, a few days, weeks later, um, I've accepted it. I don't like it. Mm. But, but it's nice to be that age and be healthy. Yep. And have supportive friends and family. Mm-hmm. So it's not all bad. It's not all bad. You're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I was a kid, 80 seemed like really ancient. Like you're going to die tomorrow, right? <laughs> As a child, 80 sounded like some unreasonable number. And now, here you are. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are there are different things out there now for older people. Um, I suppose some of them are not even older people, but, I mean, there's things out there for skin. And uh, keep your skin looking fresh. Um that type of thing and don't don't wear your hair like somebody that's a hundred years old mm. get it cut in kind of a, a modern mm-hmm. way well in fact you've been straightening your hair again mm-hmm. you were into your curls there for a hot minute and now you're like nope i want it straight well that's more of a um when it's practical and when it isn't mm-hmm and the curls, if you're going out camping or anything like that, well, skip <laughs> skip that. You're just going to go with straight or curly. Whatever the hair wants to do is right. what it's going to do. Okay. So, Do you remember your chocolate chip cookie cake? <laughs> no, I don't. You don't? Uh-uh. Because it really was a chocolate, a big chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> On top of a big chocolate chip cookie. On top of a big chocolate chip cookie. When was this? That was at your birthday party. Oh, shoot. It was probably gone before I got I, to it. it. Did go? No, not before you got to it because you got the first piece. But it did get gobbled up, yes. Pretty fast. That was Celeste's idea. That was yeah. a great idea. It was. And you asked the question after she announced all of that. Who likes chocolate chip cookies? Well, obviously... <laughs> That would be you. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they've known that for some time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Definitely. Ariel asked you how many more years you wanted to go. Oh, I don't remember that yeah. conversation. And your answer was as long as you could see, hear, read, and write, <laughs> you'd be good to go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 
That is true. You like to interact. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I think one of the hardest things for me is not having a car. Oh, you have a car. Yeah, you're in it. <laughs> well, that's true. I do have to drive you nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, I keep thinking I, I'd like some just tiny job just for the heck of it. Mm-hmm. And I think, how would I get there? So if I decide to do that, you're going to have to drive me there. Okay. What sort of little job do you think you'd like? Uh, being in a bakery. Being in a bakery, okay. That would be nice. Fun. Um, I don't know. Now, now that I say it, I really should think it through. Mm-hmm. But I just want a place like a bakery that's just small. People come in, they want one thing, mm-hmm. maybe two. And so that's nothing complicated. Oh, I was going to say, you never were that much into baking. Uh, no. But I think what you're talking about is working the counter. Right. You want to meet the people. Right. Okay. Well, that would be an interesting opportunity, wouldn't it? I almost went down to the end of our road. Yeah. That way. Yeah. And there's a beauty salon in there. Yeah. And then there's some kind of grocery. Correct. Little party store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, gosh, I could walk down here and still have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought about the library or any one of its arms out Since there. Since you used to be a librarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, then I'd need a car to get there. Mm-hmm. Or I could drive you. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess it would give me a little feeling of independence. To have to, a job, a yep. responsibility like that. Yep. Okay. So I might, I might work on that this summer. Okay. That's when they need more help. So I could do, you know, three months with a, a particular situation, mm-hmm. knowing that I, I'm going to have to say goodbye to him at the end of it. Mm. Well, that would be all right. I'm not doing it because I need the money. Right. I'm doing it because I need something to do. Right. Yeah, that's something to do that's helpful to whoever is running something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great idea. You can look into that. Any words of wisdom that you want to share with people listening to the podcast? Well, just that if, if they know of friends who have uh, the need for checking up on what's possible for your friend's problem. Mm-hmm. Do they know that this place exists? The phone number to call? Yeah. 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 Okay. I think there are a lot of people out there with it that don't have any idea that this exists. I agree with you because I didn't know it existed. Yeah. Until after you were diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I was looking 
for information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And that's why we're doing the podcast to mm-hmm. hopefully help other people find the resources that are out there because there are many. Well, and I, at our house, of course, you are the one that kind of turns it in so that people can hear or see what's being said today. Mm-hmm. But other people may not have that. So how do we do a better job of letting people know if you have this this or this you can there's there's a people out there that are wanting to help you and it doesn't cost you anything right so yeah it's a good point maybe that's my job well it could be <laughs> that's a possibility maybe we'll have to find out more from alzheimer's association yeah so. yeah All right. Okie doke. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with Alzheimer's. Please visit the Living with Alzheimer's website at lwalz.com, where you can subscribe to the show and find all the resources we discuss in podcast episodes. We'll see you next time on the Living with Alzheimer's podcast.